Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. All right, 107. McMonagle here with you. 877-337-6666. A lot of baseball to start the show as I'm still waiting. Where are you? Come on, Brian. Let's go. Let's go, Cash. Let's get this Juan Soto deal donezo. If you haven't heard, the Yankees trade for Red Sox outfielder Alex Verdugo. He is a Yankee, a left-handed hitting contact hitter. Exactly what you want. We'll see if you guys like it or not. But something did come out of today as Brian Cashman met the media at several places. Aaron Boone met the media at several places. Uh, All executives, uh, including David Stearns, met the media again. So, But something was said by Brian Cashman that has really, I know, piqued a couple of people's interest because I got text messages about it. I got text messages from Evan. I got text messages from Tommy Lugauer. Brian Cashman said something that is going to spark debate, and it's going to lead to the idea of the dynamic between these two teams and ownership of Steve Cohen, namely, where when talking about Yamamoto, where both teams are clearly in on Yamamoto, from day to day, you hear this one's the favorite, that one's the favorite, this one's the favorite. The Yankees, according to Bob Clappish, are talking about how they're very comfortable with where they are in the Yamamoto standings. They feel like they have an excellent chance to get Yamamoto. But when talking about him, when asked about the idea of Steve Cohen's prowess and his ability to spend, Brian Cashman said, I don't know if anyone could compete with Steve Cohen. Meaning including the Yankees, and there it lies, has the dynamic of this franchise changed? Because we have never seen it. I've been going on about this for a while. The minute it seemed, the, the very minute that it was obvious both of these guys, both of these organizations were going to be going for Yamamoto. You knew it for a while with the Mets, then Cashman went to the see the game in Japan. He threw a no-hitter. You knew they were on a collision course for the first time ever of competing for the same free agent. And I actually heard uh, Steve Phillips talk about this. Obviously, former Met uh, GM, he was he does the radio show in the morning for MLB Radio. And I was listening to him talk about it. And the idea that, yes, obviously things are different now. The owner has a lot more money. Although Steve Cohen didn't go for judge last year, which a lot of people thought he should have, they've never really matched up. And and Steve uh, Steve Phillips was saying... Even going back longer than that, even when the Will Ponds were willing to spend money back in the days of the Will Ponds having a, a, a formidable payroll, it was com- it was kind of a conscious effort on the Mets in some ways not to really go after the same free agents the Yankees were going after because they felt like it was a, it wasn't a winning endeavor no matter what. Like if you won and got the player, battling between the two teams would only raise the price, and then you would end up overpaying. And then if you lost, you publicly lost and reinforced this, the little brother narrative. So they almost it was almost like a, a, a conscious effort not to attempt to go after the same free agents. He said they, would, they dabbled in Matsui. Uh, they dabbled in Mike Mussina. But for the most part, they didn't 
you know, the Yankees didn't really go after Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran famously went back to the Yankees and said, hey, if you just match the Mets, I'm yours. And they didn't want to do that. So, I mean, these teams have historically, forget just recently or in our recent, you know, memory, these two teams have historically not wanted to go after the same high-priced free agent. And yet here we are, the the Mets desperately in need of Yamamoto, desperately in need of starting pitching. They've added, you know, the likes of Severino, who uh, Stearns really talked up yesterday and talked about what a great pitcher he is and how talented he is and how, how excited they are that they got him and they think they're on the other side of these injuries and, you know, just overall how excited they are to have Severino. And I think he could be right if he's healthy. But this Yamamoto deal is the first time ever they're going after the same player. And the Yankees on the world stage, with everyone listening, it's the, it's the winter meetings. This is not just a, you know, a one-on-one that might get lost in some column in a newspaper that nobody reads anymore. This is for the whole world to see live on camera at the... Winter meeting saying, we, if Steve Cohen goes places, we can't follow. I don't know who could compete. We can't compete with Steve Cohen. Now, some people will run with that and say it's bending the knee. Some people will run with it and say it's gamesmanship. And it's Brian Cashman playing games. He's been doing this forever. Whether you think he's good at it or not, he's been attending GM. He's been attending the winter meetings for 27 years, and he knows exactly how to handle this. And it's just a little salvo from a very confident group that think Yamamoto is in their corner and wants to be a Yankee, and they feel like they have a very good chance of signing him. I don't agree with either. I think Brian Cashman, and this is just my opinion from the way he's spoken the last several times he's met the media, whether it's the tirade he gave in Scottsdale, Arizona at the GM meetings, or whether it's the the comments about Giancarlo Stanton and the fact that injuries are part of his game. I think Brian Cashman is the old man who doesn't care. He's been around long enough. I don't think it's gamesmanship. I don't think it's some sort of bending the knee where he's now understanding that the Mets have this power over the Yankees. I just think it's straight-up, blatant, obvious truth. We all know it's the same thing you've said, the same thing I've said, the same thing everyone who's paying attention, who's aware of how the world works. Steve Cohen has the most money in baseball. That's all he's saying. We read into stuff on such a level, and it cracks me up. He pretty much said Steve Cohen has the most money in baseball. Does anybody not believe that? Do you think the Steinbrenners have the same amount of money as Steve Cohen? Now, Steve Cohen is yet to prove that he will go above and beyond. Will he write a $360 million contract to go get Yamamoto if the Yankees go 300? If the Yankees go 300 and Yamamoto goes back to the Mets and says, look, I want to be a Yankee, I've always wanted to be a Yankee, but if you give me $50, $60 million more than they do, then I'll be yours. Will Steve Cohen write that absurd check? Is he willing to go where no one else can compete with him, we don't know that yet. We don't know that yet. Because he had an option to. Let's, he did. He had, an, he had an opportunity to with Carlos Correa, but the ankle injury, the this, the that, and then he allowed the Minnesota Twins to outbid him. Now, you want to say that, and you know what you did say, all you Met fans? Hey, he's smart. Right now, Steve Cohen is in the 
honeymoon period with Met fans where when he spends money, look at us, no one can compete with us. And when he doesn't spend money, look at him, he's a smart billionaire. You think he became a billionaire spending bad money? That's the luxury he has right now. Spend money, he's my guy. Don't spend money, he's my really smart guy. That's how it works. But Brian Cashman neither bent the knee and admitted failure in the Yamamoto deal or in just trying to compete with the Mets, and nor did he try and play some games and have some gamemanship. He just flat out told you what we all know. If Steve Cohen decides to write a check that no one else can match, we all know that's possible. That's it. Plain and simple. The question is, will he do it? Will this businessman write an absurd check to win over a guy who wants to be a Yankee or wants to be a Red Sox or wants to be something else? Will he say, no, 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 I don't care what you want to be. I don't care you want to be a Dodger. Now, there's some guys it doesn't matter. Otani doesn't care about money. Otani won't be a Met no matter how much. You can give him a a billion dollars, he won't be a Met. But there's a lot of guys out there. If they want him, Juan Soto next year, he's going to be a free agent. And I know that's what Evan thinks. He was telling me the entire uh, Friday Night Smackdown that we went to together, that I'm just renting Juan Soto and that the Mets are going to buy him because the Mets can spend more money than anybody else. They'll give him six, seven, whatever it takes, $100 million, doesn't matter. But we got to see if Steve Cohen's willing to do it. And just because Brian Cashman acknowledged the obvious that he has more money than everybody else doesn't change that right now they are in a heated battle for the same player. And we have no idea who's going to win. No idea. Gerald in Maplewood. What's up, Gerald? Mount. Hello. Yes. Yes. Hi. How are you? This is Chris. Who are you? Is it, I'm, I'm up. You're up right now on the air. Hi, Chris. Great show. I like your show a lot, man. Oh, well, thank you very much. You. We're talking about Yamamoto a lot, and I'm a huge Mets fan. I'm hoping and pushing and praying that we end up getting them. But there's also the center fielder that's coming out of Korea or Japan that was on the same team, might have been on the same team as uh, Yamamoto, Jae Lee. The next big thing. Yeah, Jung Hoo. It's Jung Hoo Lee, and, and he's I out of. I wonder what our chances of the Mets getting. Yeah, well, I take your answer with a phone, please. All right, thank you. Well, first of all, they didn't play together. He's one one played in Japan and one played in Korea, so they did not play on the same team. Um, Jung Hoo Lee, who uh, is a um, a great young outfielder who played in the league that the offense is up pitching. Typically, the fastballs in that league, in the KBO, typically are between 92 and 94. Uh, he doesn't see a, high, a lot of high velocity, but everyone says that doesn't matter. His hand, his his bat-to-ball skill is through the roof. Uh, but he's a light-handed hitting, not a lot of pop, but he's hit 360s, won batting titles. He's a, a legacy. His father was one of the great players. His grandfather, apparently, was one of the great players, so... Uh, he's got the nickname Grandson of the Wind because I guess his grandfather ran like the wind. Although they say he's not as fast as his father and his grandson. But as as his grandfather, excuse me. But he's he's a contact guy, left-handed hitter. Um, the Yankees have shown interest. Different guy, I think the Yankees now with Verdugo, unless Verdugo gets moved, I would say they're out of that running now would be my thought process. They're not going to get three left-handed hitting outfielders. Uh, so... But yeah, there, there's some thought on him. That's somebody that I, I'm, I I think the Mets have shown interest in. 
Um, I think the Mets are looking to add with money. Like That's why they're out of the Juan Soto deal. They're not looking to make trades. So Yamamoto is their number one focus. That's the offseason. They need probably another two starting pitchers for sure, maybe even three. And they're gonna and their thought is they need Yamamoto and one other. Now all the contracts, all the moves pretty much are waiting for the big guys to fall. That's typically how it goes. You're waiting for Otani to make a decision. You're waiting for Yamamoto to sign before you can even look at some of the other pitching, but they're gonna be in on some of the under it doesn't sound like Blake Snell, but maybe Montgomery, maybe some different guys like that. Maybe uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, a guy like that who's had a, a, a couple of really good years. Um, but it's Yamamoto or bust for the Mets. For me, it's Soto or bust for the Yankees. It's Yamamoto or bust for the Mets. And the Yankees love him, and the Yankees are in on him, along with every other team in baseball. The numbers have gone through the roof. It was, it was perceived to be around $200 million a week ago. It's already up to $300 million that they're saying it could take to sign him. So we'll see what they do. But that's, for me, that's really all the Mets season comes down to. He's talked about, Stern's talked about third base and figuring it out with what they have. Vientos, Beatty, like they're going to let these guys at some point, and this is exactly what he said, at some point you have to figure out what these young kids are at the major league level. And I think that's where the Mets are. And you heard it at the trade deadline last year. They weren't going to go out and have a crazy offseason. They were going to be... You know, less inclined to be picked to be with the World Series champion. They were going to take a step back a little bit. They need starting pitching desperately, and they have a 25-year-old megastar hitting the market. And whenever that happens, they should be involved. So they're involved in Yamamoto. But ultimately, I don't think they're adding a lot of other pieces besides that. I think the offense is going to be the offense. Uh, I think, you know, maybe they re-sign Alonzo if they don't trade him. But that probably gets the free agency as well, considering his, his agent is Scott Boris. So... I don't think there's a lot in store for the Mets. I, the Yankees offseason is far more interesting. The Mets are locked in on Yamamoto. That's it. Yankees have a lot more irons in the fire, and especially coming off that miserable year, the fan base is all furious. Like I just said, Steve Cohen's at a honeymoon period. But it's Yamamoto or bust for the Mets. And we'll see what happens because they're going to offer him more money. Cashman knows it. I know it. You know it. The whole world knows it. Yamamoto, if he's out there to take every last dollar, congratulations, Mets fans, you're going to get him. I think most people believe that. The question is, does he want to be a Yankee enough where he'll turn down 10, 15, 20 million dollars, or will Steve Cohen blow it out of the water? Leo in Brooklyn, what's up, Leo? What's up, man? How are you? Good, how are you? Good, good. I just wanted to talk some uh, Yankee Mets all season. I don't think they're gonna be in on Jung Holy the Mets because I think the Mets aren't looking for another Jeff McNeil, another like right. slap hitter, contact hitter. I think they're looking for like maybe a righty power bat like Jorge Soler or uh, mm-hmm. maybe Chasca Hernandez. Yeah, they need someone for the DH position. That's the that's and especially yeah, and especially the way their ballpark is built. I mean, listen, you got a Chasca Hernandez gap to gap guy, Jorge Soler gap to gap guy. It's just these teams don't know that you have to build your team around your ballpark, and like it's like ridiculous how like we've been waiting, waiting, waiting for the Yankees to get lefties, and it's finally what's hope. This Soto thing goes down because, like, this is so long overdue. It's like ridiculous. Yeah, I wanted to see. Yep. Well, listen. I, again, I, I, they need lefties. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, like, I, I remember when everybody was talking about uh, when the rumor was Glaber Torres for Verdugo. Nobody wanted it. So I, I wanted it because. Okay. Because listen, because at least Verdugo could lead off. Like Glaber cannot lead off. Glaber swings at every first pitch. You can't make him lead off. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I think you probably could hit Glaber lead off. You could hit him anywhere. He's a good I hitter. I don't want Glaber leading off or batting cleanup. I like Glaber in the five hole or the six hole. Yeah, I mean, but that's mainly where he hits, so I wouldn't worry about it. Because, uh, but yeah, he's a good but, hitter. The I mean, point, but the point is, he's a better player than Verdugo, so most people didn't want it. I don't think he's a better. I, I don't. I think he's a better, better player as of this this off season. But I don't think overall he's going to be a better player than Verdugo. I don't think so. Really, I think Verdugo had his issues with the with the with the Red Sox and listen, like lack of hustle. But like we could say the same for Glaber. I mean, a lot of these guys don't hustle, but it's it's, it's pick your poison at this point. I know that if I have Verdugo, right, mm. and maybe you know. Maybe you, maybe you move Judge to first base when time comes. You know, you're not looking into the future too much, but I could say that I've watched Labor every night, and his bonehead errors and his bonehead base running blunders. It's it's. I think Labor's a losing yeah. baseball player. Yeah, listen, I, I, it's probably a bit more strong than I would say it, but I'm on, I'm. I'm willing to trade Glaber Torres because I don't know what kind of contract you want to give him next year uh, in free but agency, I'm, and I, I'd I'd like to move him now. You get his money off the books; it makes it a little more palatable to do other things and take on more money. Yeah, uh, you get maybe controllable young pitching, even if it's you know maybe a back end of the bullpen guy, a, a fourth or fifth starter, or uh, something like that. And you move on from Glaber Torres. I'm open to that, but I don't know if they're going to sign resign Verdugo. And you know it's easy to say you know it's easy to say oh I watch Gleyber Torres every day I don't know if you watch Verdugo every day but I can tell you right now I know I, he's the Yankee killer I, I know some Red Sox fans who are tired of watching him every day I know I, I know some Red Sox fans that are too but listen I know that he's clutch and I know he's the Yankee killer and I know he loves hitting the Yankee Stadium I think he's gonna I, have, I think it's a good move yeah I think it's a good move I do I think it's yeah. a good move but it's it can't be I, the I move they gotta move. go they gotta go get Juan Soto. No, I think you got to get Juan Soto now, and you got to throw a bag at Yamamoto. But listen, I don't know if like everyone's convinced that Cohen is gonna. Is, listen, Cohen, I don't know, man. You say honeymoon phase, but he, he's given. I don't know. He said that the Met fans give me three, four, five years to win. I don't know. I'm, I'm quote. I don't know if I'm quoting. Yeah, no, exactly he said he, right, had a, he, he, he was going to bring a championship within five years. Yeah, so I mean, you say honeymoon phase. I don't know if they're still on their honeymoon phase, but a lot of Mets fans just think that Cohen's just going to spend money. Listen. You can't just spend money in baseball and win. You have to have a mixture of veteran presence, a mixture of like you know seasoned vets. You got to hit free agency. You got to make the right trades. You got to have the right culture, the right manager. No, I, I understand I that, but they. But the point is, is that he's willing to spend money. So when the right, when whatever they deem to be the right free agent, like Yamamoto, what? like I, you could I, say, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what Steve Cohen's willing to do. I don't know, but I know he can do it, and other yeah. teams can't. Like I know he can well, give listen, money that the Steinbrenners I, won't. I think teams I think teams can can think that listen, Cohen I think changed the ball game. I think Cohen has changed the market and now is introducing more higher AAV contracts less years. So we can say that he's given those contracts out, but has he really given the long he hasn't given any long except for what, he re signed Lindor, or was that the other guy? No, well, he, he gave one. He that. no, no, that was him. Yeah, yeah. He, he traded for Lindor and gave him the he long gave, contract. Nimmo got a yeah, somewhat yeah. of a long contract. No, yeah, you, you're, to, you're talking about the you're talking about the two you're talking about just the two the two starting pitchers at the top of the rotation yeah, with Scherzer, with and, Scherzer Verlander. and Verlander. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, you've seen it go the other way too. Like you say, it's, he's changed baseball that way. I, I I don't know because look at how many contracts go the other way. 
Just look at, you want to mention the Yankees' DJ LeMayu's contract. They lowered the value AVA and gave him a longer deal to to lower the tax threshold. The The San Diego Padres gave Xander Bogarts 11 years. Yeah. I was just going to mention Xander 11, Bogarts, yeah. 11 but, years but they the gave Padres him. The Padres is a horrible organization, I feel. <laughs> I mean, But yeah, I'm, just, I say, I'm, I'm just saying, and thank you for the call, I don't know if necessarily it's just... Now it's going to be these short contracts with high money. I don't know. I think it could, I think you're seeing signs of it going the other way, where these guys are getting long contracts and less money so that the salary is easier to navigate year to year. So I, I have no idea. All I know is they better get Juan Soto, and I'm still waiting. 877-337-6666. Still take your baseball calls, but we got to get to some football. Aaron Rodgers is tired of the leaks. Tommy DeVito is the starting quarterback for the New York Giants. And still some other baseball things. What the Yankees had to say about Giancarlo Stanton, that makes me excited. Plus, the fun I had at my son's, my, my son's basketball practice. We'll get to all of it. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you on the fan. Call us, 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. Ba, ba, da, 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 da. 135, McMonagle here with you. 877-337-6666. Oh... What are we going to do? What are we going to do with all these leaks? Huh? What are, you, what are we going to do with all these leaks? That's what Rodgers wants to know. He's very upset at this ridiculous franchise that leaks out information in the effort of what? In the effort of what? Trying to bring down this young, great kid in Zach Wilson, which I have no doubt that he's a good kid. I, I don't know. I don't know Zach Wilson. I know he's not a very good quarterback. But, of course, today, earlier yesterday, on Pat McAfee, Aaron Rodgers, the head of the Jets franchise, the man who you listen to most when he speaks to understand what's going on with the Jets, more than the coach, the GM never talks, Woody never talks. So you wait for, when, you wait for uh, Tuesdays to hear from the leader of the franchise in Aaron Rodgers, who absolutely is. And, well, I understand his point. So, obviously, the story comes out. Diane Orsini uh, and Zach Rosenblatt give the story. He doesn't. He, Zach Wilson is reluctant to play. The Jets want to go back to him. Zach Wilson's reluctant to play. Uh, Robert Sala comes out and does what he does. We talked about this yesterday. Defends Zach Wilson. Defends Zach Wilson. That's all he ever does. And says, no, Zach Wilson walked into my office. He wants to play. There are also reports that Aaron Rodgers had to talk to Zach about all this. And so in reply to this, where Wilson doesn't want to play, which is pretty much saying that he's given up on the team. He's afraid of injury. He doesn't care. He's given the middle finger to the organization. At least that's how Rogers put it. And so while Rogers was very upset and Rogers was more upset about the leaks, he never really said the information was completely Untrue, except maybe about the, the the story that he had to be called in to talk to Zach Wilson. He kind of downplayed that and said that's not uh, entirely true. But he's more upset at the leaks, and it's a problem within the organization. Right? And, he, and so it sparked something in my mind. One, again, here we are defending Zach Wilson. We're not talking about the comments. 
We're not talking about whether or not Zach Wilson actually felt this way or said this or said it to anyone. It's more about who would dare do this. Why would you bother? What's your goal to go out and destroy this young man? And while that's a fair take and it makes sense and organizational leaks are never good, I suppose, this is the media. This is life we live in. And while I don't disagree with them, it's not good, and you'd like to have more of a stable franchise where you know everyone's pulling in the right direction and they understand that these comments aren't going to help Zach Wilson, they aren't going to help the head coach, they aren't going to help the franchise. I get all that. I get all that, but here we are again protecting Zach Wilson. Did he say it? Did he feel it? Was it something that was bandied about the locker room and the organization? Was it or was it not? And if it was, despite the fact that maybe he changed his mind and went into Salah's office and said something different, it's a problem. So we could talk about all the different problems the organization has, sure, and that's what Aaron Rodgers is more interested in moving forward. But do we have to def- defend Zach Wilson? And here's the other thing I thought about it for once. I've been on the boat, and this is where maybe Joe Meningo plays into it a little bit. I've been on the, the train of thought that they are not firing Robert Sala. And they are not following Joe, firing Joe Douglas. And they are not firing Nathaniel Hackett because Aaron Rodgers is coming back. It's not going to be this year now, but he's recovered, recovering from this injury. He's going to be back leading the franchise at some point, so hopefully the beginning of next year. You know that's happening. I still don't think they're drafting a quarterback. I think they're doing everything they can for this team, for this guy. He is the leader of the franchise. He is so comfortable talking about the Jets. I mean, it's unbelievable. A guy who's never who's played four downs for them is so comfortable speaking as if he's the leader of their franchise. It's, it's really remarkable. But that's exactly what he is. And he's going to be the quarterback next year. And so I don't think he's letting go of all these guys. But here's my one thought. If he is very upset with leaks. If he is upset with loose lips, he can't be thrilled with his head coach sending uh, you know, text messages to Joe Beningo. And maybe for the first time, Robert Sala could be in some trouble. I didn't think he would get fired from it. I didn't think it would be a huge stir. It became more of a Beningo story than it became a, a Sala story. And again, I think Robert Sala knows exactly who he's talking to and didn't say anything that would get him in any kind of trouble except Joe misconstrued what he said. And again, I, I think Joe and him have a relationship that they have. And I, I and I, Joe might not have, you know, shouldn't have done it maybe. I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think he did anything. I think My point is I think Robert Sala knew exactly that any of this stuff could get out. So I doubt he very much gives away uh, secrets of of the entire organization. But in a moment now where this quarterback is talking about the desire to eliminate leaks right at the same time as Joe Beningo is reading text messages from the coach, could that have an impact on what's gone on in a relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Robert Sala? I don't know. But I'll tell you this. If if Aaron Rodgers is determined in not only making that the best product he could make on the field and give the Jets the best chance they have to break this ridiculous streak now that's going to add another year to it of no playoffs, if that's not all he's going to do, but he's also going to try and clean up the organization, good luck. Good luck. I wish you the best, Aaron. I wish you all the success in the world. 
clean up the leaks from a team, and this is what you got to know. Nobody, you might love Zach. Nobody's nobody behind the scenes other than you and Coach Sala are out to defend Zach Wilson. Nobody else. Charlie and Beth Page, what's up, Charlie? Uh, see, Mac, what's going on? This soap opera with my Jets. It's, it's unbelievable. It, it's unbelievable the soap opera with your Jets. A story that never gives up. It's just one story after another. Yep. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers, you know, listen, I'm glad he's here, but I'm tired of him always wanting to be the focus of a story. And everybody waiting Tuesday till he goes on the show, uh, what comments he makes. It just gets a little tiresome. You know, he's uh, only been here for four plays is what he's been here for. I understand. And, I I I I understand. I understand, and I'll, I'll tell you this: like, yeah, I mean, he I, he decided he was doing the Pat McAfee show before he became a Jet. Uh, I, I understand he probably had a long term con. He had a contract with them, and and the Jets certainly weren't going to get in the way of it. They were going to let him do what he wants. That's pretty much how they decided to run this thing with him. But yeah, it feels like that whether whether it's his intention or not, he comments on everything, and it feels it feels like. You get a better picture. Like Robert Sala comes out and starts to talk about Zach Wilson, and he has no credibility. He's defended this guy and said everything positive about Zach Wilson when we know he's pled the fifth on Michael. Like we know how he honestly feels and what he says. So he's got no credibility. So when you want to hear about a story directly related to Zach Wilson, you don't want to hear from Robert Sala. It means nothing, it comes up empty. But. Zach, but Rogers, who you know still has a good relationship with him, it's still different. You want to hear what Rogers' reaction. He was part of that story. You want to hear what he has to say. It's getting to the point with the soap opera and everything else that you get more about your team listening to Rogers on Pat McAfee than you do when the coach speaks three times a week. It's yes, crazy. without a doubt. And but it's just to say, don't Jets. I'm sorry to keep saying that, but like this weekend, it was my girlfriend's birthday weekend. Nice dinner Saturday night, and then I take it to the check game. Why? We bought the tickets back in July. Finished my football season out in Long Island on last week in the Long Island Championships. So it was the first Sunday off. Why would I take her out to the Meadowlands and we go out there for that garbage and that rain? But, you know, it was just to go watch that slop that they give us every week. It's <laughs> draining me. It's just draining me. Of course, no. Listen, right now, it, it, I mean, listen. Uh, it's 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 a miserable endeavor to be a Jet fan right now. I mean, it honestly is. I'm totally with you. Think about what's gone on with this franchise. No, I mean, you you've got to feel cursed. The minute he's gone down and everything that's followed, now you're getting rid of Boyle. Like it's just a disaster. Nothing goes right. Nothing goes right. And you're watching a team that you know. The worst part about it is you know whether it's all Zach Wilson's fault or not. And we know it's not all Zach Wilson's fault. But whether it's the quarterback position's fault or not. You know, I think it's mostly the quarterback position. But sure, the offensive coordinator, the offensive line, all that's an issue. But you know the rest of this roster. 
That's why they went out and made the the Aaron Rodgers move because you know how good the rest of this roster can be, and you watch it on a weekly basis. You watch this defense continue. All right, you know the the Falcons aren't any good, but he, they hold them to thirteen points. Like week in and week out, they give you good defensive efforts, and you know this roster is good enough where if they just had a modicum of offense, they could actually be winning. Could they be Super Bowl contenders without Aaron Rodgers? Probably not. Could they be a winning football team? Could they be battling? Could they be in the hunt right now for a playoff position? Of course they could be, just with just with average quarterback play. And he went down, and they bungled it every second since with Zach Wilson and Timmy Boyle and, and Trevor Simeon. Like, they didn't bring in a single guy. They did not do anything they could to try and salvage this season where really all it takes is another two, three wins, and you're in the middle of this thing. Beat the Patriots, beat the Raiders, and you're in this thing. And average quarterback play wins those games. Wins those games. Beats the Falcons. Those are three wins right there. With an average quarterback, you win those games. And that's why, like, I, I have a tough time. I have a tough time when you you see the quarterback position just absolutely ruin a franchise. I have a tough time telling you I know Robert Sala is a bad coach. He hasn't won. I can't tell you he's a good coach. If they move on from him, I'm not going to say a peep. Uh, I'm not going to complain. But how do you know what kind of coach this guy is? He's been given nothing to play at the quarterback position. Nothing. And that's on Douglas. That's on Woody. That's on the entire organization. And Aaron, I think right now, is starting to get a feel of what he's got himself into. Now he got hurt and ruined the whole thing because losing breeds this stuff. Losing is the cause of all of this. Losing is the cause of all of this. And if he were here, they'd be winning. And you might you wouldn't have this stuff. Zach Wilson would be happy being the backup quarterback. They'd be winning. Aaron Rodgers would be winning. None of this would be an issue. But he got hurt, and everything that could have went wrong went wrong. They're the Jets. It's amazing. It's, and now they're impossible to watch on top of it. It's not even just, I mean, the, the, the defense, is, the offense is just, you can't watch the games. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you. We'll come back, continue to take your phone calls, get into the other quarterback situation in town. But continue to wait for Juan Soto. I'm hoping the deal gets done tonight or this morning as we wait. As we wait for Dugo's the Yankee, not good enough. McMonagle here with you on the fan, 877-337-6666. Your official station to talk Knicks. The Fan 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Speaking about the Knicks, unfortunately they got blown out. In the semifinals game of this tournament that I'm sorry. I, honestly, Nick fans, it was fun, right? Maybe, maybe some of you. I was arguing with a couple of buddies of mine who actually got into it. And some of their kids got into it. Um, like Maybe for a moment you cared, right? Maybe for a moment it was cool. The minute you lost this game, did you give a damn? Like, quite honestly. Other than just losing a game, did you feel like, oh, man, now we don't have a chance to win this in-season tournament. Does anybody care? Does anybody care? I don't. 
I, I, I did not care at all. The second they lost the game, they and you knew they were going to lose the game, it, really, in the, the start of the second half. They pulled away after a brilliant first half from Julius Randle. I mean, just absolutely brilliant. The, the guy didn't miss a shot. He ends up with 41 points in the game. Brunson scores 24. Barrett scores 23. Um, Randall was two from two from three-point line. That was the difference in the game. I mean, they at times the Knicks didn't play great defense, but let's be fair, the 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 Bucks just shot the the the, the lights out. The Bucks shot 60% from behind the arc. 23 of 38. I mean, Beasley was 6 for 10. Lillard was 5 for 7. I mean, they absolutely shot the lights out. Now, some of that's defense, but I, I thought the defensive effort at times maybe lapsed, but for the most part, I think it was more just Milwaukee played a great game, especially the first half. I mean, they were it was, what, 73 to 70 at the end of the half. And Randall put... Yeah. I mean, they shot, yeah, they shot 60% overall, but 60, 60% from three-point land. I mean, they just had one of those games where they didn't miss. And they're a better team. They're a better team. That's why a lot of Knicks fans were frustrated to go have to play extra games against Milwaukee and now uh, against uh, Boston. So, But ultimately, once the game ends, did you care? I, this whole thing was dopey to me. I didn't care about it. I thought the courts... This the in the this court wasn't bad. The Indiana court wasn't bad. Some of the courts were hideous. You couldn't even watch the games. I mean, particularly the Chicago one. The bull the in with the Bulls, it was so red. I felt like Jerry Seinfeld after, you know, staring at the Kenny Rogers sign in that famous episode. It was brutal. But I'll tell you who did care about all this and who I'm would not who I'm not gonna be surprised when he wins the whole damn thing and wins this first inaugural in season one, it was LeBron James. LeBron played 40 minutes. He went 12 for 25 from the field, 2 for 4 from free, uh, from the behind the arc, scored 31 points. He had 8 rebounds, 11 assists, 5 steals, 30 points. I mean, uh, I mean, that's... That's LeBron still doing this at 40 years old. I mean, it's incredible what he's capable of doing. 31, 8 rebounds, 11 assists, 5 steals. The guy's unbelievable. And you, I'm sure it means a lot you want LeBron James to win as they took down Phoenix. And I guess now, let me look at the schedule. I, I think they play on Thursday now. They'll play tomorrow. Today is Wednesday. So they play tomorrow. Why does it jump up schedules? This website stinks. So they will play, yeah, 5 p.m. Pacers at Milwaukee on ESPN on Thursday. And then New Orleans at the Lakers, 9 o'clock TNT. And then the, the winner will be played in Vegas on Saturday night. December 9th at 8.30 on ABC for the championship of the in-season tournament. Woo! I'm pumped. I, I, I just can't imagine a Nick fan who cared about this. It was a game. It was a game. 
Like, that's all it was. I did not care at all. I did not care at all. I took my son to to basketball practice, which was funny uh, funny on its own, this kid. He's so he's so if I wanted him to watch a Nick game with me for five minutes, he would sit, he could sit there for four minutes and then he's just an absolute ball of energy running all over the place, doesn't care, doesn't care. But when it comes time to go play basketball, today it was like the court is 10 minutes away. It's at a middle school that's 10 minutes from my house. An hour before practice, we're going to be late. We're going to be days. practically in tears. We're going to be late. Yeah, go put my shoes on. I'm like, Tommy, we don't have to go anywhere. Relax. We're going to be fine. And then he's so excited to go play basketball. This is how excited he is. I could see it. I'm watching him. They had the little hoops. I have. A, I gave him. I, I didn't read the email. Of course not. So I gave him a full-size basketball, the one I have, my basketball. And obviously every other kid's got this, like, much smaller basketball. He's dribbling this real big basketball. They have these small hoops that they wheel down onto the court. And they're doing different things. And they're doing, like, I, their version of a layup line after, like, 20 minutes where they're just dribbling to, like, an area and then shooting at the basket. And I can see him just he's – I could tell he's uncomfortable. And so finally they said, get a water break. He comes walking over, and, and I went to give him the water. He's like, no, I'm good. I'm like, what do you mean you're good? You always are looking to drink. What's the problem? Nothing. I'm like, what's the matter? He goes, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hurt. I think I'm hurting myself. And I'm like, I th- you think you're hurting yourself? What does that mean? I just, you know, I, I don't want to tell you. I'm like, what do you mean you don't want to tell me? You have to tell me. Are you in pain? A little bit, but I don't want to tell you. I'm like, Tommy, you have to tell me. Did you hurt? What happened? And then he looks at me and he goes, my, my, my stomach hurts. I'm like, do you have to go to the bathroom? Uh, no. I'm like, yes, you have to go to the bathroom, but I'm going to miss the next thing. And I'm like, Tom, what, what are you going to miss? Like, it's practice. We're going to be here. We'll be here next week. Like, you, you can't just. And they re... I went to try and take him to the bathroom. He started yelling. I'm like, okay, no, I'm, I'm not going to do this. Go back. Go back and try and run layups. Hold it in poop. God bless you. And then sure enough, 10 minutes later, he came over. It's an emergency. Yeah. Then we had to go run for the bathroom. I don't know the school from a hole in the wall. I just run out to the hallway. I'm looking left. I'm looking right, trying to figure out what the best direction to pick to go to the find the nearest bathroom. It's just the kids. They they wait until the they don't say a word to you about going to the bathroom until it's like, oh my god, I'm gonna go all over myself. Like you have, I know how this works, Tommy. I have a body. I know that there are indications. You had indications of having to go to the bathroom 10 minutes ago. You knew this was coming. But suddenly, it's, oh, my God, I'm going to go right here. It's, it's unbelievable, kids. I swear. It drives you nuts. All you had to do, we would have. <sighs> you know how it is, Marco. They just, it's unbelievable. Nah, kids are terrible. Awful. You bring them to taco stands. They roll around on the floor. You're bringing them basketball practice. They're afraid they're going to miss the layup line, so they, they're willing to... I'm like, German-fested, lying little rats. <laughs> I tried to tell them, I'm like, <laughs> you do not want to go to the bathroom all over yourself in front of all these people. Like, you, Let's go to the bathroom. It's not worth it, man. The juice isn't worth the squeeze. You got to think. You got to be smart. I don't know. Maybe we got to teach them lessons. Just go know. right there. That's how you point. feel now. Yeah, I know. This will be a story you'll tell for the rest of your life. <laughs> Just drop. Drop it and go right there in the court. But I don't want to miss it. <laughs> Tell oh me. I'm God. giving you a story for life. Yeah, I know. 877-337-6666. So 
Then I was late to, I was a little bit late to watch the tournament because I had to go to CVS, which is a whole other shebang. Oh my God. The, the pharmacies, there's no place I'd rather be less than the pharmacy. Especially, if you're waiting there forever. They told my wife the medicine was going to be ready at 2 o'clock. It's 7.30. Oh, no, I'm still not still working on it. Still working on what? Still working on what exactly? What do they work on back there? See, Do they make the medication? Are they back there, like, putting the pill in pill form? Mm-hmm. Or do they just grab it off a shelf? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm very confused with what they're still working on at the pharmacy. And see, I- I'm not sure if you have this in the Twilight Zone place that you live. Um, <laughs> I go to CPS Pharmacy. But you try to hit the... See, this is something you got to learn now, though. You're working overnight hours. You're working yeah. inconvenient hours right. for a lot of people. Yeah. So use the advantages. Yeah. You hit the 24-hour one. You hit it on the way home. Nobody's there yet. You hit it on the way well, in. Well, I mean, yeah, but nobody's the, one, there yet. the one we use isn't 24 hours. Well, you find a 24-hour CVS. Like I said, I don't know if you have it in the 1956 well, I, no. town that you live the, in. The one... The one that I, you know, that you go to the doctor, like, what, what pharmacy do you use? I use this one. And they send it there. It's, it's not like I'm going yes, there. You it's not it. like I'm going there to buy Mucinex. I'm, I got a prescription. No, I'm aware, but you pick the CVS. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Do you have one that's 24 hours near you? I don't you know. You pick that one. That's the thing. You you have yeah. this choice, you see. So you pick the 24-hour one that's somewhat I'm close. I'm not going out of my way to get a 24-hour one just for the, the odd time when I'm stuck getting, going to the, the CVS. The odd time you're stuck. So you, that, there's the difference yeah, right no, here. You're, you're See, right. I'm no, the one that's right. getting it. So no, I'm going to go. The one who gets well, there you're you right. go. So you're if right. you're always going to be the one that gets it, try to get it when it's somewhat convenient for you. Is it going to be a good thing to go before work? No. no. Is it good on the way home? Well, I thought Hell I'd no. take the kid to but at least you can get in practice, out. quick stop over at CVS, get the prescription. It's like, oh, we're still working on it. We, well, you told us it would be ready by 2 o'clock. It's 7.30. Oh, well, well, I'll put it in the system as expedited. I'm like, I'm sure that will help. Yeah. No, I like that one. Yeah. yeah I've heard I'll that I'll put too. it in the system as expedited. Yeah. Lady, I see the two people working there. Right. This isn't... You can just is, yell over. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I could just tell them, like, hey, like, <laughs> what do you mean you put it in the computer system expedited? And what exactly... They're not combining the chemicals. It's not like... He's not like Beaker back there, you know, in, no. in the with the Muppets putting together the chemicals. It's somewhere. They're counting them. Yeah, That's exactly. The They're they, counting. They got to count them out. And I'm not knocking them. It's a it's a it's a great profession. I wish I got into it. But like, I don't yeah, know I what they up. do. I know we all screwed up. Mm. We all screwed up. Right, but that that's chasing dreams like fools. Yeah, that actually seems like something I think I can handle. Though I think I could. I think I could. There's put nothing. The, what are they going to say? No one ever calls you out on it. Well, it's like it's like being a weatherman. It's like, wh- why is it taking you six hours to put a, a a jar of pills in a paper bag and give me this five mile receipt? Telling you, it makes no sense. All right, I'm telling Eight, you, seven. twenty-four hours, man. I guess that I twenty-four now hours the only, makes sense. No, the now, see now the only thing you got to worry about is they're not going to give you that. Usually, it's done. The problem is there's only one guy back there when it's twenty-four hours. He's right. not happy, yeah, and he's usually going to look at you. So you just kind of right. stand in the line for a few minutes. You're the only one there, and then eventually he looks at you and he goes, "All right, I'll be there in a minute." And again, you just stare at each other because there's three feet of space in between you. Then he finally walks over, and then you do it. So instead of it being where you got to wait. You just kind of wait awkwardly, staring at him for half twenty minutes, right? And then eventually you get your stuff. But twenty minutes is better than the hour, I, I guess. And especially with the kids sitting there, that's for sure. yeah. See, I try to avoid. Yeah, I know bringing my kids anywhere. I don't want to. I don't even want to see them. You already told how. me this. I, it's my it's my mistake. See, yeah. I don't learn. Two oh five, McMonagle here with you. Two hours down, three left to go on our five hour midnight ride to five a.m. Right here on the fan.